The Nerd and Tie Podcast is unsurprisingly a part of the Nerd and Tie Podcast Network. For more shows from actual play to true crime to, you know, witchcraft, go to nerdandtie.com or join our Discord by finding an invite at nerdandtie.com slash Discord. Did you know you could sponsor Nerd and Tie? That's right. For just 20 bucks, we'd say your name here. We'd give you a high five. We'd, well, probably not an actual high five, but we'd really think hard about it. Just go to nerdandtie.com and click on the sponsor information for more information. Also, you can contribute to our legal fund by going to gofundme.com slash nerdandtie. This month on Nerd and Tie, Russell T. Davies is coming back to Doctor Who. Disney is suing to keep the rights to Spider-Man and, like, other characters who aren't as valuable as Spider-Man. Netflix has released a Cowboy Bebop opening for the live-action series. I have thoughts about Shang-Chi. And Wizards of the Coast announces a new revision of Dungeons & Dragons. It's exciting. Oh, welcome to Nerd & Tie, the only podcast on the internet with a dress code. I am one of your hosts, Trey Dorn. And joining me, as always, are the uh, splendid Gen Proc. What up? And the wondiferous Nick Izumi. Word up! And it's uh, the code word. Word. Of co- That's anyways, a good code word. Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have code word clearance. I can't. I apparently can't be here. I'm sorry. I'll, yeah, I'll just to... I'll just go I'll just I'll, the, I'll just step out. It was the covert cameo came up with. It's not my fault. <laughs> <clears throat> All right, it's uh, oh, it's been a month. We are having a time. It's been a month, and uh, the the world did not stop uh, much to how much I asked it to. Um, and uh, I guess there are things we should talk about. I mean, I guess this is a podcast where we talk about things that happen. We're supposed to do that, yeah. So speaking of things that happened, um, Russell T. Davies is coming back to Doctor Who in uh, 2023 for the 60th anniversary. I'm, I'm like jazzed, but also conflicted. I mean, so for for those who didn't know, Chris Chibnall um, was already announced his exit mm-hmm. um, for for twenty twenty three, and uh, um, Jodie Whittaker is also leaving the series, uh, which which won't mean that Chibnall was the one Doctor showrunner, uh, which is the first out of for a while. Um, in in the it's the first in the revival series. It's. Uh, yeah, so Chibnall's and so Russell T. Davies will be coming back for the show's 60th anniversary, and I am, I I think it's good. I'm okay. So like, I, I've made it no real secret on this show that I've I preferred when RTD was showrunner for a lot of reasons. The thing that I'm conflicted about, and the thing that has me weird about it is like i really think overall davies was of our of the current era showrunners he's been the best at making a cohesive season-long storyline yeah exactly. he doesn't he's he doesn't keep setting weird things up that he's never going to pay off he understands show running i think better than 
the others. What I think the thing that the two things eating at me are one, it's a bummer that after um, our run with Jodie Whittaker, um, where there were so many annoying chuds talking about how, oh, the, the, the show's lost something that it feels like even BBC is like, uh oh, we better bring back the showrunner that people actually liked. And I, I, I don't know. I feel like a lot of chuds are going to feel validated for no good reason. And I'm always bummed out about that. Um, and I, I, I don't know. Actually, really, that is my only thing. It just feels like I feel like there's a lot of chuds who are going to feel validated. And that sucks. But at the same time, I think Russell T. Davies has a good understanding of what makes Doctor Who good. And I look forward to seeing his version of the story again. These are the same chuds that hated <clears throat> Russell T. Davies when he was showrunner. That's true. So it's, I mean, this except is for the... the young ones that don't realize how controversial Russell T. Davies was at the time. <laughs> I know. Which yeah, is it's pretty funny. <clears throat> Which is kind of hard to believe nowadays, but that was a thing at one point. Oh, yeah, no, it's uh, Russell T. Davies being, you know, a, a pretty openly queer showrunner um, was very much detested by the very people who are applauding his return in some cases. It's, you know, stuff. <laughs> I don't know, it's, I, I agree with you that Russell T. Davies is excellent at running, like, when he does a season-long arc, there are clues, and then there's an actual payoff. Like, yeah, there's build and payoff, which like Moffat never could do. Chibnall just I don't feel like has really tried. So which is, I think it's why Chibnall's been fine. Like I've I've enjoyed Jodie Whittaker's run so far. Like obviously, like I I think that retconning obviously retconning the uh, the the like the Doctor's origins is controversial. And I don't know if it was necessary, and I don't know how much I actually super like it. You know, um, I will admit that is that is a little bit of a sticking point for me, but I've still enjoyed the series overall. Uh, it to me, it felt like a uh, it it felt like a pre-turf uh, J.K. Rowling thing of we actually did have a black woman doctor, just oh, it that was part before all the ones that you saw. That, that part didn't me bother lot. me so much. That part, like, the, the idea that the Doctor had had previous regenerations and that, like, had had the memory wiped, that, that didn't in itself bother me. doesn't bother me. It bothered me that, like, oh, we have this black woman character. We're, we're going to do very little with her. That bummed me out. That's what uh, was a sticking point. Well, it's my thought was that they don't have to be done with her. You know what I mean? Like That's, that's true. It, it, it's the, the permanent change to the Doctor the doctor's history is um in relationship to the time lords i don't want to spoil it in case someone is, hasn't caught up um that felt a little i mean like it's i can roll with it <laughs> like it it wasn't enough for me to go like nope like i don't want like but i was just like i didn't really want this okay we'll see where I it mean, goes classic series is <coughs> pardon me classic series is relationship with the time lords varies drastically depending on what era you're in so i guess i I've, I've become so used to just rolling my eyes at it that i'm <laughs> like 
I'm still kind of rolling my eyes at it. Yeah. That's not a yeah. good or a bad thing. It's just, it's a thing. <laughs> that and, I'm... and we have, and like, let's remember, we're talking about Davies coming back. We have a whole series of uh, of Jodie Whittaker's Doctor to watch still. This is true. With it, it kind of the show. It's kind of a bummer that I think that's actually the the real bummer in the room is people are making such a big deal out of Russell T Davies in the sixtieth that it's like, can we let's let's enjoy Jodie while we still have her? Yeah, frankly. <laughs> Yeah, it's so, you know. I don't know. Again, do you have any thoughts about Doctor Who? Um not really. <laughs> I'm I'm cautiously optimistic because Eccleston like is my doctor. Yeah. And I really enjoyed his series, so hopefully we can get more stories like that. Yeah word well i mean you know it's we it's gonna be a while till we learn who the new doctor's gonna be after jody so mm-hmm. yeah so it's like eh, I, I don't know what to think right now just because everything's so up in the air still get ready for the uh after jody whittaker's well midway through jody whittaker's series uh expect to hear all of your american friends list off the only three british actors they know as their suggestions for the next doctor i think idris elba would be a great doctor i mean never mind that it would be a massive pay cut for him and way less bendy book humperdinck benedict cumberbatch i I think uh martin Mm -hmm. freeman What other dull white guys can we come up with? <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, ooh, ooh. Um, uh, no, no. That guy's already dead. No, that can. <laughs> that doesn't have to stop me. <laughs> we gotta, <clears throat> we gotta get dead Christopher Lee. I feel like that would work. He's... Justice Corpse. Yeah. I, I that think... way he can, at the very least, settle his score with um, with his old buddy Peter Cushing, so Cushing doesn't have that hanging over him. Just, just saying. Peter I Cushing. mean, he did voice a monster, but still. <laughs> oh, dear. All right, so uh, do we, I don't think we have any much more to say on the Doctor Who thing um, nope. other than <laughs> this is a thing that's happening, and we're all living through it, and it might be good. I'm optimistic. I'm cautiously optimistic. That's cautiously optimistic is what I say. Um, but, you know, with anything with that, it's just fan backlash that's always going to happen because the secret is with Doctor Who is that uh, the fan base is so large and ranges so many ages, literally any decision will piss off somebody. Yep. It will. And they um. will complain on the Internet and blame the SJWs. All right. <laughs> And literally every doctor is someone's gold standard that no one will be better than. I've mm-hmm. seen, one day you see someone defending Colin Baker on the internet, and just... we have seen someone defending Colin Baker on the internet. I've seen you interact with them. Uh huh. <laughs> Look, Colin Baker is a weird. lovely man. Colin Baker Super is a weird. lovely man. His version of the doctor, I do not like, nor do most people with eyes. Including Colin Baker. Again, 
Remember, my favorite Colin Baker quote was, on the upside, I was on the inside looking out, so I didn't have to see it. All right, <laughs> let's just remember, Colin Baker said that about Colin Baker's doctor. Um, anyways, I don't have a good segue, uh, so we're going to move on to the next story, and that is Disney filing lawsuits to try to hold on to, like, Spider-Man and stuff. Um Disney is headed to court in an attempt to retain full control of uh, Marvel stuff. Um, the studio filed a bunch of lawsuits uh, against the heirs of a bunch of writers and artists who are seeking to reclaim the copyrights to characters like Spider-Man, Iron Man, Doctor Strange, Black Widow, Captain Marvel. You know, the stuff that pays the monies. Uh, the suits, uh, you know, Marvel filed the suits, but it's really Disney filed the suits because Disney owns Marvel. Uh, come in response to copyright termination notices filed earlier this year, seeking to return the rights to Marvel's characters to the authors who actually created them. Because um, under U.S. copyright law, authors or their heirs may reclaim rights from publishers after a certain number of years. Um, if those, you know, yeah, like it, y- if if you know if it aren't if the people holding the rights aren't a mega corporation that literally killed reasonable copyright loss so that they could continue to control a mouse. So effectively, um, if, if, if the heirs and the create, like the others of theirs, if they, if they reclaim the rights from, from Marvel and Disney, um, Marvel and Disney can keep using the characters, but they have to share ownership and profits with the creator's heirs. And Marvel does not want to share the monies. And once again, we've got I Spider-Man makes people do the dumbest crap. Like not Spider-Man directly, but fandom of Spider-Man makes it seems like it makes internet people just jump up to do free lobbying work so Disney's lawyers don't have to, basically so someone else with the legal right to Spider-Man gets screwed over. This is the second time I've seen this happen, and it's driving me nuts. Yeah. So, I, I'm sorry. I'm this. This is just grumps me out. These the original creators got screwed over so hard by the comic book publishers in the first place. At least give their descendants a cut of the of the thing their relative created. And before any of you jump into the thing, just all freaked out about whether or not you get your content from the Disney machine, remember that uh, Disney will still be able to make movies and stuff with these characters if they lose and these estates, you know, get the rights back to their characters. They just are going to have to share some of the money. You know, the unreasonable amounts of money that all of these movies make. The literal billions of dollars. Yeah, nothing's going to happen to your character, to the characters. Yeah. It's just people getting paid what they should be. Yeah. God forbid we're going to pay the artist. And honestly, <laughs> honestly, like, it's... I, I've so seen they got peop- the exposure. I've seen people arguing for Disney in this, and I'm like... Like guys, it's a bad thing that one company owns so much of our pop culture now. Yeah. 
And we're saying that as people who enjoy consuming it. (laughs) I gave them my money in the last week. Like, how many of you have actually won Monopoly? Like, I want to go see Venom this weekend. I mean, I guess that's technically a Sony movie, but Marvel's getting a cut. Mm -hmm. I went and saw Shang-Chi. We're going to talk about it later this episode. I, I literally have spent the last two nights watching Star Wars cartoons on Disney Plus. Like I I get it. Yeah. But also I don't want Disney to literally own every freaking thing. It, it it's it is not gonna kill them to have to pay the artist or the descendants of the artist to use Spider Man or Black Widow or Iron Man or whoever else they should be paying for in the first place. Yeah, not to be confused with Disney's The Descendants. <laughs> which which no one should be paying for, frankly. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, I like musicals too, but I'm judging you. You personally. Yeah. Um, yeah, Steve. What are you yeah, doing, Steve? Steve. Yes, Steve. Steve, that's right, Steve. We're talking about you and only you. In fact, Steve, you're the only person listening to this podcast. We recorded it specially for you. Mm -hmm. It's not going to be on anyone else's podcatcher. Everyone else got a different version. Yep. Where we talked about, like, um, egg salad sandwiches for, like, two minutes for some reason. Mm, Super weird. Everyone else got the super weird podcast, except for you, Steve. You better enjoy this, Steve. We worked really hard on this, Steve. Anyways. Um... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, lawsuits and stuff, man. Um, yeah, the 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 estate seeking the termination of the 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 copyright for like the mm-hmm. try to get the copyright back are like the Steve Ditko estate, uh, Don Hack. Don Rico, Gene Colan, and Larry Lieber. Larry Lieber, co-creator of like Iron Man and also the younger brother of Stan Lee. Um, and they're all being represented by uh, intellectual property lawyer uh, Mark Tovaroff, who previously rec- represented Kirby and Siegel um, and uh, Schuster. <laughs> so Jack Kirby, Jerry Siegel, and Joe Schuster in similar cases there. They're the their heirs, not the actual like you know. You know. Like I'm, I'm gonna be honest with you guys. You know what is the only thing that I think was the uh, an objectively good. No one can argue that it was bad thing in Batman v Superman. The only thing, mm. it's that the opening credits say. Batman creator created by or Batman character created by Bill Finger. That made me smile. Yeah. Rest of the movie not so much, but yeah. that that made me smile. It is nice that Bill Finger's finally getting like credit for, you know, stuff and that Bob Kane can suck a lemon. Yeah. Get that guy. Like and I just as someone who loves these characters, I want the people who created them to get credit. It it ticks me off. It ticks me off knowing that 
Ed Brubaker got paid more for that little cameo he did in Winter Soldier than for all of his years writing some of the best Captain America books ever. Like, that... That's wrong. That's really wrong. It's gross. I don't... Just... Stop simping Disney, you guys. Jeez. Anyways. Anyways. I'm a All terrible right. person. <laughs> you are not. We're You're just not. moving on. We're just moving on to the next thing. You know, you saw that, you know, credit in the opening of uh, Batman v Superman. Uh, Nick, but let's talk about a different opening credits. Oh. Ah. Oh. Ah, oh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, put two wheels on me and a gyroscope because that was a segue. All right. Um, <laughs> Netflix. Of course, it has the uh, live-action uh, Cowboy Bebop uh, series, which is going to be released later this year, uh, the first season of it, and uh, they have released the opening sequence. And it is, it's the opening sequence to Cowboy Bebop, for certain. They, uh... Wow. That is... It's so cool, you guys! They're, they're using Tank. Um... I think it might be a new recording of Tank, but I'm not sure. Um, I mean, they're definitely, like, calling out, like, previous episodes yeah. of, of Bebop uh-huh. and being... And definitely showing, like, we know we know the story, we know all the things, we know the background, like, hey, look at yeah. this, we know the stories. Like, and it's like, yes, good, we love that. <laughs> yeah, it's it's so um, delightful. Like parts of it are direct, are exact recreations of the Cowboy Bebop opening, just with live action actors. Some yeah. of it are like what appears to be like I'm assuming that like they're they're clips. They are they. I'm assuming they're clips from the actual season, but they're clear recreations of scenes from the original series. Yeah. Adrian Barbeau is the eco terrorist from the Ein episode. Okay. Yeah, it's... <laughs> sure that's fun yeah and uh so it's it it's you know it's it's a cowboy bebop opening um no ed because we don't know ed. ed we're not gonna i don't think we're having ed this season ed I, I, comes... i'm gonna guess season one we won't get an ed but well ed doesn't two, show maybe. up until like pretty late in season one to begin with so mm-hmm. um i like I, I completely understand uh, the, them delaying that, but it is, you know, like, Ein's in the opening. You know, just because, like, because Ed, you know, was in the opening, you know, thing and the original series from the beginning, it was, like, my brain going, like, and then Ed, there's not an Ed yet. <laughs> like, oh, man. Where Ed? When Ed? It's like, Ed will come. Ed, I will say Ed is come. Some of the shots were a little strange to be re- see recreated with John Cho's body, like <laughs> yeah, like some of the the shots. Oh yeah, it was. I mean, a bunch of like the scenes that it were taken directly from the anime were definitely just like, okay, I see what you were going for. Well, I understand, but it's weird. There's like a couple <laughs> of shots in like the the opening of the the original opening thing, which are just like Spike flailing, and they recreated that sort of with John. Cho. Oh yeah, when he's like jump kicking, and it whatever, just it doesn't like... quite. Yeah, work. <laughs> it was like I'm. You guys got me on board. I will. 
I'm a little worried, but I'm here. I'm I'm for the ride. Um. (laughs) The uh, the swordfish looks amazing. Spike's little little ship that looks really good though. And I think I think I think they're doing a really really good job. I'm honestly really excited for it. Um, I saw a promo shot of um you know spike on a planet and he's like walking through this outdoor cafe area and of course there at a side table are those three old guys yeah <laughs> oh i haven't and seen that like, yet they're this wearing the right old guys i send it to you <laughs> it's it's a it's it's like a, a a promo shop but yes like they are doing a wonderful job of just like picking up all the little details like i love and i love like some of the the choices they made in casting some of the extra characters from certain episodes. And I'm just like sitting there like, oh, I remember that episode. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, th- I think the only, actually, honestly, the only thing that has me hesitant about the show at all is not that I think it's going to be bad, but that like I'm going to watch episodes and be like, I know everything that's going to happen in this episode because I watched this episode. Well, I thought it wasn't going to be like a recreation that that's I what thought I it was going to be too, like yeah. just a continuation of the story of like these people kind of in between the actual episodes of anime bebop. Well, no, I'm, it's I mean it wasn't it no. was it was always going to be a remake. Like it's telling the uh. story from scratch. Um it's just that like there was so much of like that I literally recognized every shot. Yeah. Like it was more so that I was not surprised by anything. And and that's yeah. fine. Like it's like I expect like I expect the vicious in the church, right? Like Yeah. Yeah. We gotta we gotta do that. Like, Ballad and, of Fallen Angels is one of the best episodes. And, like you'd yeah. be nuts not to recreate that. And and the guy and his girlfriend from the red eye episode like the first episode, I you know, oh, like yeah. that I expected. Um I just you know, and, and this is not like a negative thing about the show. Like and you know, who knows what else. Like maybe some of these are gonna be compressed versions and then there's it's I'm just more interested in the non-direct remake stuff that they're going to be doing. You know what I mean? Like, yes, exactly. It's yeah, like, some, some be, original storylines. Because I have be a, the original Bebop. <laughs> exactly. It'll be a wonderful like nostalgia trip to see those yeah. original episodes redone. But I yeah, I'm I think I'm more excited for like the new stuff as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm. I'll be happy if we get a nice like mixture, you know, like some new, some brand new stuff, some weird uh, original stuff, some mm-hmm. un, you know, showing off a, some understanding of the material, and maybe taking it in some new directions. I'm. Well, the episodes will be longer, so no matter what, they're yeah, gonna have to have more stuff in the episodes. Because <laughs> Cowboy Bebop is like 22 minute episodes, the original series. It is. And in many ways, Cowboy Bebop is like a a film student's guide to economical storytelling. Because most of the episodes, with an exception for two two-parters, are standalone. Uh, mm-hmm. Are standalone yeah. short films. So, yeah, I I really do hope that they use that extra time to make the world feel a little bit more lived in and uh, give us just. More of that goodness. Well, and probably build out the arc with Vicious. 
Yeah. Instead of him just like showing up in episode five. Yeah, he's he just shows like up in episode five. I just couldn't remember. Hey, I'm a bad dude. Yeah, <laughs> and I can get yeah. lost in the rain. Whatever. Uh, now, now, now that song's going through my head. Great. That's the one thing about Cowboy Bebop is the music <laughs> is amazing, you and, and you know, Nakano's yeah. coming back. So I, honestly, yes. one of the best soundtracks. And th- this is like I'm saying this about a woman with an amazing resume, and this is still one of her best soundtracks. Like, ugh, so good. Well, it's it's arguably one of the best soundtracks to a television series ever made out of any yeah, I, country. One hundred percent. 100% agreed. 100% agreed. I'm I w- I want to say optimistic. This is this does look like it looks like its heart is in the right place. Mhm. Yeah, so I'm I'm excited for it. Um I kind of wish I hadn't just done a full rewatch of Cowboy Bebop. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, Krista hadn't seen it, so we did a yep. you know this last year we uh, I showed Krista the series for the first time. Um, she hadn't seen the movie yeah. yet, but you know that takes place between episodes, so it's not like you know she's. It's not like you're really plot. missing anything right. with the movie. It's it's, it's just a wise. long Bebop yeah, episode. It's just a long Bebop yeah, it's, episode. That's all it is. It's a good long Bebop episode, but mm-hmm. oh yeah, I love the movie. But because it's placed like between episodes of the series, it doesn't like change. Like it's not like you see what happens next to anybody. You know what I mean? Like you see True. what was happening between adventures. <laughs> um, or it was all a butterfly's dream. Whatever. Um. Moving on, you know, it wasn't the butterfly's dream, and that is the movie Shang-Chi, which happened. I haven't seen it, but I've heard good things about it. <laughs> I I like the part where the guy wears the shirt and the girl also just, wears Just say shirt. you haven't seen it. I also okay. haven't seen it. It's, it's all right. okay. It's so uh, overall, this is the spoiler free review of Shang-Chi from Nerd and Tie. It's good. <laughs> um, so I should say more than that. So it's uh, it's a solid origin story for a superhero. You know, um, the performances are good. The martial arts for the first time in the MCU are actually solid. I'm looking at you, Iron Fist. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's funny what happens when the uh, the actor actually cares about what the stunt coordinator is putting together and learns their choreography. Yeah, because yeah, I shouldn't be too hard on Iron Fist when it's the stuntman doing the kung fu is decent in Iron Fist. Uh, so if you don't see Danny's <laughs> face... Uh, but Shang-Chi was <laughs> actually, like, it was actually really solid. Uh, nice surprise tie-ins to uh, Iron Man continuity. Iron Man 3 especially, uh, considering Ooh. we get to see. Uh, s- there's a reason why that uh, one Marvel one-shot ended up uh, going up on, uh, ended up going up on Disney+. Plus. Okay. Uh, I kind of figured. I thought. I think they kind of announced that, like leading up to the movie. I felt like it anyway. Yeah, but. because uh, <laughs> um, Ben Kingsley returns as Trevor. 
excellent. The best Iron Man character, really. Yeah, as we uh, we do meet the uh, well, he's never called the Mandarin in the series. Um, but uh, he's never called. I should say he's never called the Mandarin in the movie. But the 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 real Mandarin appears in this film. I'm so I, I've I've mentioned before I'm a big fan of Simu Liu already. Um, I just recently became aware of Aquafina. Wow, was I missing out? Because her her rap is hilarious. Like very good beats, very good lyrics, but also she's just funny as hell. So I I kind of became a fan of her like in the last week. Uh, so I'm I'm excited to see her in one of these things. Yeah. So um, they they renamed um, so know. okay. So they did some combination of characters in this movie, right? So mm-hmm. um, like the Mandarin, the, the instead of the Mandarin and Fu Manchu, uh, there is one character who is uh, Zhu Wenwu. I maybe that's I'm saying it wrong. I am very bad at pronouncing Chinese names, and he they hardly call him by name in the movie. Because um, uh, Shang-Chi's father in the comics is Fu Manchu. Oh, oh, God. Um. <laughs> oh, that's, Where, that has not aged well. Oof. No, no, it, 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 it was bad. And so uh, they combined uh, they combined Fu Manchu with the 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 comic book Mandarin those two characters into one of uh, Zhu Wenwu um, as uh, Shang Chi's father and head of the Ten Rings. Okay. Yeah. And who, of course, you know, it's. Uh... I mean, like. The MCU does that a lot. I mean, even back in Iron Man 2, they essentially took Whiplash and Crimson Dynamo and made them into one guy. Yeah. Oh, and it 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 very much works. I don't want to like spoil too much, but uh there is a uh... Razor Fist does show up. I just thought you might want to know that. Oh, thank God. Ooh. Okay, movie saved, frankly. Oh, I was worried. He's only got one blade hand. I'm, I'm still going to take it. Uh, he does have a card that says Razor Fist in giant letters on the side. Classy. Yeah. But uh, it's, I don't know, it's it's decent. Um, uh, yeah, it's a fun movie. Like, I don't... <laughs> I like this is the worst review I've ever given. Like the movie's good, but my review of it is terrible because I'm trying to come up with ways to describe a film that is uh the acting was good. Uh the writing was not terrible. Aquafina was tolerable despite her uh, possible racist past of using a black scent in her stand-up comedy. That is fair. That's a legitimate critique of her. Yeah. And she needs to apologize. She does. Uh, I'm just reverting into character. I can like it's her stuff <laughs> and still acknowledge that she needs to apologize for shit. Yeah, she does. Right. Um, not to us, though, because we're a bunch of white people. Don't um, apologize to me, especially. Yeah. Especially not to me. 
Yeah. Uh, so, you know. Uh, but uh, you get a nice appearance from Wong. Okay, that actually I am really excited about. Like, yeah, I'm not even it's, being it's sarcastic. Brief, I like Wong a lot. It's just a, t- it's just a short appearance from Wong. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's... Uh, it's I, you see, the problem is that, like, so here's the thing about Shang-Chi. I have never read a Shang-Chi comic in my freaking life. So I don't know... Like, like I have, like I have understanding, like vague understandings of, like you know, who, like, because, like the Mandarin's typically an Iron Man villain, and like, also, I don't know crap about Shang Chi, so I saw the movie, I enjoyed the movie, it was all new for me. Like, if it makes you feel any better, Trey, the the one person who has really read those Shang Chi comics, I think he'll go easy on you. Yeah, probably. Yeah, so it's... God, I hope so. It's like, I I can't compare, like, I'm I'm checking Wikipedia to see that uh, apparently, like, are, who out of these characters is new and who's not? Like, I don't know. I apologize to all three Shang-Chi fans for uh, underselling your numbers. That was mean of me. Like, I don't know if certain characters are original to the movie or certain characters pre-exist. You know, it's like, I don't know. It's a movie. This is like, I am. All right, guys, let's. uh, Let's let's go to anything else. This is bad. Anything (laughs) else. Anything else. The movie is great. Go see it. It's a Marvel film. Uh. So the creators aren't getting paid, but we at least are now pronouncing Shang-Chi correctly as a society because everybody knows that even the people who created the character are probably saying Shang-Chi this whole time. It's sad because it's true. (laughs) Oh, I I would like to apologize to our listeners for my inability to review a movie. I mean, you should know by now that I'm bad at it, but, you know, actually, no, I'm usually pretty good at reviewing movies. The problem is that I didn't have any, like, criticisms and don't know enough about the source material to talk about how it compares to the source material. (sighs) Speaking of source materials, uh, Wizards of the Coast has announced that... um, they are releasing new core rule books for uh, Dungeons and Dragons 50th anniversary in 2024. Now, some people are calling this a new edition. It's not. It's still fifth edition, y'all. But we're getting fifth edition revised. Um, heck yeah. So, so yeah, they're coming out with new core core <laughs> books. Um, uh, likely just a player's handbook, monster manual, and dungeon master's guide that will be fully compatible with 5th edition D&D products. So this is effectively what they're doing is they're going to be rejiggering some math on like some of the monster class, you know, monsters and things like that, but effectively just like some characters might get modified stats. They're going to include probably in the monster manual some like monsters that came out after the 5th edition monster manual. Mm-hmm. Um because in N2024 is going to be the 10th anniversary of 5th edition. Um, 
but it's also, again, going to be the 50th anniversary of Dungeons & Dragons, period. Uh, for those of you who are young and not an ancient like me, this is not... Coming out with a new version of an existing edition is literally something that has been done before with second edition. Where it's we had second edition revised. Where it was all compatible, but they rewrote the books to not suck as much. <laughs> that is exactly what we're seeing here. Because fifth edition has been wildly successful. It is true that like... The fact is that this does mean that we should be seeing at least another five years extended onto the lifespan of 5th edition, in my mind, which means that, because hitting 10 years, that's already, like, first, because 5th edition is, we have to remember, for those of you who don't recall, 5th edition um, speaks to, it's in the lineage of Advanced Dungeons & Dragons, because it was, they used to have a separate Dungeons & Dragons prod product from, and then Advanced Dungeons & Dragons, <coughs> which then got a second edition, and then with third edition of Advanced Dungeons & Dragons, they dropped, like, old regular D&D and just I still haven't AD played 5th edition. Neither have I. Um, but, huh. like, so with third edition, they just dropped the Advanced from the title of the product line. So, um, But, like, first ed uh, of, of AD&D lasted for about a decade. Second ed lasted for about a decade, but that includes the revised version. Um but then, like, we've had 3, 3.5, 4, and 5, like, all came out. And, like, 4, like, how long was 4th edition? Like, the current edition of D&D? Like. Too long. Hey, I'm sorry. Uh, I, well, I'm, I'm not sorry. 4th was bad. Think, yeah, 4th did didn't last that long because it was Bad. I did play some fourth, and I did not care for it. Yeah, it, it was fourth good. edition came out in like two thousand seven, and like at first, and then like ended in twenty thirteen. Yeah, I was lucky that I went from three point five straight to five. That's what a lot of people did. <laughs> yeah, um, that's a good way to do it. Fourth edition. My... I was just going to say, my friends were big three point five players. We tried fourth, did not care for it. Uh, went back to 3.5, and when we needed to spice things up, we played Pathfinder. Yeah. Like that one. <laughs> it's, I mean, so, like, this is, and this, I'm expecting this to be more of, like, the, the revised edition for Second Ed than, like, because, like, 3.5 is notable because they reworked major parts of the rules. You know what I mean? Like, um, 3. Point, the third edition, like, supplementary materials are somewhat compatible with 3.5. Like, they are compatible, but not fully compatible. Like, you always have to make, like, rule changes with when stuff conflicts. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, so this is, so that's why 3.5 gets, like, called, like, a whole half edition, like, more. Um, this is, this is based on everything that Wizards has been saying. This is going to be much more, like, revised, where they are just combining stuff into a simpler, like, first off, it means you have to buy fewer books if you're new and starting out. Um. Also, they've they've announced that they're coming out with more um, um, more classic uh, settings that are coming out. Because um, obviously, like um, we've got later this year's uh, the first of these was this year's uh, the the Ravenloft stuff that just came out. Mm -hmm. um, nice. And so they're going to be doing more of that stuff. And it's Wizards is not going to move on from fifth edition anytime soon because they are selling so oh God, much no. of it. 
Uh, they yeah. also have announced that they're going to be doing like some digital products, um, like digital tools for for D and D. Which like this, you know, that's not. Uh, they're coming for for roll. They're coming for roll twenty. Um, <laughs> that's <laughs> that's really what it is. Uh, they 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 want their own. They want the on, they want to own the online tools. So they're they're coming out with their own. Um, and so. I shouldn't laugh, but it's it's true. It's so yeah. It's they are really like putting down hard. Like it's Wizards is committing pretty hard to fifth edition, which is nice. In my opinion, yeah, it's a good mm-hmm. edition. At I'm, least, like, yeah, yeah. well, but I'm okay al- with it. <laughs> but also, like, I got sick of it. Like, it's I like I last played a three point five game. That's the last versions of D and D I played, and I think fourth edition was already out. <laughs> I was playing in a three point five game, um, and that was when I learned three point five because I was a second ed player. Man, it's like, where's my Thacko? Um, no one misses Thacko. Literally, nobody. I was about to say. <laughs> I was about to say. You're you're joking. No one, no actual human misses Thacko. I do, I refuse to believe it. I I I honestly don't even remember how Thacko even works. If you like put a gun to my head, I'd be like pulling out my player's guide, going like whatever. Because I have I have both. I have the second ed. I have the second ed player's handbook. That's all I ever. Because I never ran second ed. I only played it. Um. And then um, I actually do own the revised manuals. I have all the revised main books on CD-ROM. <laughs> oh my Heck yeah. Because I have the, the core rules CD, CD-ROM disc somewhere in a box, which has got the player's guide, the DM's guide, the monster manual, and then like um, some like map building tools that work with Windows 95 um, <laughs> and like stuff like that. And for the youngins in the audience who don't know what Thacko is, exactly. Sorry, I just wanted to Total bounce back armor to that. Class zero. Yeah, exactly. That's armor class <laughs> works in reverse in second ed. Okay. You're at second ed. All right. Um, Trey, you want to <laughs> feel old? I have a copy of of the second ed player's handbook. That I found at an antique store. <laughs> which, uh, which is it? The the black cover with the, or is it the um? It's the one with it's the got knights? a. It's got a big demon on it, a big red guy. Oh, the, a dragon. I think I don't I don't have that's it in front revised. of me. I'd have to run upstairs. That's, that's um, probably revised. Um, it might be that. It might be the revised. It also came with two um, modules. Like little paper, like pamphlets almost, of like modules. I haven't. I I I need to go back and look at it again. It's uh, like, oh, this is neat. I used to we, play this when I was real little. We have a retro. Actually, no, uh, hmm. yeah, yeah. Go ahead. I was gonna say because the the player's handbook first edition of uh, the second the first version of the second ed player's handbook has got like a knight with a sword. On a horse charging towards the the person with another guy behind him, the revised player's handbook has like a barbarian with an axe on the cover. Mm. What am I doing? I can look this up as well. <laughs> I just got a kick out of I found a 
complete second edition box, mostly complete second edition box at a Goodwill. And uh, it, we picked it up just before the second season of Stranger Things aired. And it was hilarious because it's the poster that was included in it is the same one the kids have on their wall in the <laughs> uh, in the episode. I'm like, dear God, I have the original one of those. You know, <laughs> Yen, are you still here? <clears throat> Yeah, but it might it's bugging the, me, so I might well, run upstairs. Is it and like it. a fat demon? I gotta run upstairs. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> it could be the AD and D player's handbook, the first edition I player's think, handbook. Yeah, I, I, it might be. Say, Let me run up and, demon, and look. I think of the first edition handbook. Yeah. This game is awesome. So, um, <laughs> while we're kind of sidetracked by that, like full honesty to you to you guys i know this is probably something that um you don't need told to you if you're already listening to this show but if for some reason you've been thinking to yourself should i try tabletop role-playing yes yes you should give it a shot it's a lot of fun it's super worth your time i I love doing it. A bunch of my friends love doing it. It's just a fun way to sit around and do make-believe, but with rules. Yeah, I prefer Super Awesome Action Heroes, though. Super Awesome Action Heroes is very good. It's uh, Because it's less rules. <laughs> it's less rules. It's true. For those of you who don't know, Super Awesome Action Heroes is the game system we use on Stormwood and Associates and on the Meat Grinder. Uh, but I created it because I didn't want to put up with all the rules of running a D&D campaign. I have returned. It is Advanced D&D Dungeon Master's Guide. Oh, the Dungeon oh. Master's Guide. So I was wrong. Dungeon. Oh, you know what that means, Gen. Guide. You're going to have to hang out with that weird demon. Yeah, and 1979. He's kind of a pain in the butt. He likes pizza rolls. Oh yeah, if it's nineteen seventy nine, that's the yeah, that's first ed. Yeah. Cool. I don't have that. I've never played first ed. <laughs> that's that's I that's don't remember if I first if we played first or second at my first D and D game. I'll have to ask my dad because I was ten. Well and I don't remember. <laughs> when you were ten, the current version would be second ed, and second ed would have been around for like almost a decade. I mean that would make sense. I don't. Rem we didn't have any books. I don't remember any books. Okay. Or if we did, there was like one that we all shared. There, there are many. And I just yeah. like, I just made a character based off of a Baldur's Gate. Yeah, there. NPC. Yeah, there is a uh, there is a um a long tradition in back in the day where you would have like one set of books and everyone would just pass the book around to make their characters. Yep. Like that's... I used to, I never, I played a ton of vampire in high school. I never owned any of the vampire books, you know, but I, yeah, I'll, I'll have to ask, um, my dad, if he remembers if we played first or second. See in, in my friend circle, that was the forever DM was the kid whose whose dad also played D and D, so he had all the books, and the rest of us didn't own books. Yeah. We just looked at his books because we were a bunch of broke Janesville kids. Yeah, 
No, but that's why, like, it was like if someone did have, a, if like in second ed, if someone did have a book, they probably had the player's guide, and then because uh, if you were gonna buy, if you weren't gonna DM and you were gonna have one book, that would be the book to have. Mm-hmm. You know, it's yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's. I mean, I I remember us having, because I played a lot of three point five in high school, and and we actually had the the triple of the PHB monster manual and the the DMG very good and i just loved flipping through the monster manual and looking at all the art <laughs> that's that's what i did a lot <laughs> yeah and i i of course over the years ended up with like lots of random role playing game stuff that i never had um that i never actually used like i had uh, i used to have this game conspiracy x um that was, I never played it, but it's because like I I kept get, like I I worked Gen Con, and I kept getting stuff for free, mm. <laughs> of like all these random games like and like I'd occasionally like win stuff like this old like DC, comic book role playing game system and like a couple of expansion books for it and like. I think the most obscure. Like one of the most obscure games I have is a clicks, a mini clicks game, um, called Mech Wars. Okay. And and Sounds um, familiar. Yeah, it it was a big old franchisey thing, but like I have all the minifigs. I have like all the little like because to play that game, like you had to make your own like terrain on the table. So yeah. I remember, like, when my sister and I would play against each other, we'd grab, like, a coffee cup, and that's, like, a tower there, and here's a paper towel roll, and that's, like, a piece of land, and, like, all these, like, different weird things, and it's just random crap from around your house. Yeah, was it, like, the, the, the Mech Warrior, do you mean? Uh, possibly. Because I know that they had a uh, a Mech Warrior Dark Age miniature set that I think used the click system. Yeah, that's probably it. Yeah, that's and, that's, and my yeah. my favorite robot has a minigun as a head. And her yeah. name is Jacqueline. Yep, that's a it's a because Mechware is part of it's BattleTech, like you know the whole mm. FASA thing. Um, it was like a a mini clicks version of MechWarrior. <laughs> of, of, of yeah, Tech. yeah, yeah. And I don't, my dad got into it and he got like all the stuff. And then he was like, Hey kids, you want to learn this? And we're like, okay, sure. <laughs> yeah. I first got into Dungeons and Dragons in Boy Scouts. Oh, cool. Uh, where on like this winter camping thing in a cabin, like all the older Boy Scouts of the troop were playing a D and D campaign. Nice. Yeah. And so that was my first real like my sister was into it before me, but uh, that was that was my first real exposure, and then I never looked back. I blame my dad because he's a huge freaking nerd. Although it is true, I played way more vampire as a teenager. I played way more. I've 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 logged many more years of Vampire the Masquerade than I have in D and D, um, and I haven't played Vampire the Masquerade since the nineties. <laughs> I mean, fun story. I didn't realize how much of a nerd my dad was until I looked through his um, Commodore 64 collection of games. Mm-hmm. 
and about half of them are text dungeon or like text adventure dungeon crawlers. Nice. And I'm just like, you really like this genre, don't you? And he's like, shut yeah. up. <laughs> so so to so to tie it back to what we were actually talking about here, yeah, yes, it looks like Wizards is committing pretty hard to fifth edition for a while. It makes sense with like the uh, explode like. D&D has seen a pretty big um, rise in popularity in the last few years. Um, For sure. Especially with, like, the rise of actual play shows. Um, you know, like, you know, things like Critical Role and, you know, Not Another D&D Podcast and, you know, like, Dimension 20. Like Hello from the Magic Tavern. Yeah, the Adventure Zone. Yep. And, you know, of course, we're not helping the, you know, let's be legendary. <laughs> yeah. The, the show on our network that I actually do listen to. <sighs> yeah. And it's very good. And you and all has, should listen to it as well. And they have a new season premiering in October. Mm-hmm. So you should listen to it. It's a good show. I listen to the show. Um, of course, we're not helping with the rest of our actual play shows because we're not using Dungeons and Dragons for that. We're using, you know, super awesome action heroes. Yeah. Which we retain the rights to. <laughs> I don't know. At some point, I'm going to have to come up with a Stormwood source book. <laughs> so, um,. Yeah, no. Uh, I think that uh, as we have lost Nick to technical difficulties, oh, uh, we should move on to the uh, the Vomit Hat Steve Challenge. Good idea. I don't know if you can hear us, Nick. Are you good just passing? In the oh, yeah. Uh, the course nick's technical difficulties could be because nick clicked the mute button on skype you can see that sure can oh i don't know my thing was covering up the no there it goes again oh Uh, uh, apparently since we can't hear (laughs) nick still even though nick unmuted themselves and we still can't hear nick I'm going with uh, Nick can hear us uh, as I am getting text messaging coming through. Yeah, you're unmuted. We we know you're unmuted. Skype says, oh, we're just going to um, move on to the Vomit Hat Steve Challenge. Yep, if that's okay with you, Nick. Um, you can be in flying through the ether. We, we know that you're here with us in spirit. Yep. You are the ghost in the machine. We'll do a seance to talk back to you later. So, well, I mean, Nick can, Nick can hear us saying that, so. Yeah, but we can do a seance so they can talk back to us. Very true. All right. So, uh, moving on to the Vomit Hat Steve Challenge. Um, the Vomit Hat Steve Challenge is part of the show every episode where I read you a line from a book, and the challenge to you, the listener, is to guess what book it is. If you guess correctly, you get included in the Hall of Awesome. The members of the Hall of Awesome are as follows. Archimide Zero, Ren Anasenti, Chita McDamu, Krista, Slitheridi, Shameless Otaku, The Random Ramblings Man, Korfan, Capito, Chris Graham, Lulisaurus, Paper Godzilla, Cavzi, The Minnesota Librarian, Sean Orange, Keith Shizuo, Sakura Sunset, Joel Kreisman, Patrick Delahanty, Wonderland, Hearts, and Megzi Sass Council. 
What are the other benefits of being in the Hall of Awesome besides hearing your name settle out there? Well, I put your name also on a web page that we've hidden buried on the Nerd Tie website and nothing else. But It's a secret. Here is your line. Fun. What is it good for? If you know what book that's from, go to nerdandtie.com slash contact, fill out the form form, and tell us. Or if you have any other thoughts, dreams, hopes, if you have any uh, random things you want to point out about the stuff we've talked about on this episode, uh, just go and do that there, too, because we do actually sometimes even do a letter segment here. It's just uh, you guys haven't been writing us anything, and it makes us sad, and it makes Nick cry. And uh, that's, that's what Yeah, I'm... jerks. Yeah, well, my God. <laughs> there we go. I, I don't know what happened. I just did a bunch of weird checks on my computer. Can you, you can hear me now. Yes. Yep. Oh, thank God. Just in time to say <laughs> that I've been Traydorn. I will continue to be Nick Izumi. <laughs> I guess I'm Genproc. And thanks for joining us for this yet again this month on the Nerd and Type podcast. Um, Remember, you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, on Google Podcasts, on Spotify, on Stitcher, or any other place you can find a podcast feed and just sort of go with it. Um, remember, you can follow us on social media. We are on Twitter, at Nerd and Tie. We are on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Nerd and Tie. And we're on Tumblr at NerdandTie.tumblr.com. And, uh, you know, you can support the show financially by sponsoring an episode or by, uh, I'm on Patreon. It's Patreon.com slash T-R-A-E-G-O-R-N. Nick's on Patreon at patreon.com slash Nickazumi. And Gen sells stuff on Etsy as Ocelot Do Design. And, and Gen, you've got some great pillows in the shop now, don't you? Yeah, I just released some Mothman and Alien pillows for all your spooky buddy needs. They're really cool and they're very affordable. Or if you feel like spending a lot, the succulent pillows are amazing. But, uh, Remember, in your hopes, in your dreams, in the places that you are at night, in the places that you hope to be at night, in the places at night that still exist, even if you are not there, but the, you know the place is thinking about you, in your heart, in your soul, in your mind, there is a place for you here at Nerd and Tie, and that is a place saying, um, listen to the meat grinder, man. The first yeah, season is really complete and up there. It's nine episodes, and we've recorded a whole second season that's going to start premiering next year with uh besides the cast of the first season the addition of sean orange of famicom dojo is joining the cast for season two and so look forward to that in 2022 and uh yeah um i feel like i'm supposed to say something else here but i plugged the social media i talked about the monies i talked about another show on the network uh nick what am i forgetting I think that we should tell everybody to keep on sparking in the free world. I guess. Except for Steve. Yeah. He knows what he did. Yeah, Steve, yeah. you know what you did, Steve. Also, I'm on TikTok now. So weird. Look me up. <laughs> so weird. I'm, I'm, I, I, I don't do any dances. I'm not on that side of TikTok. I'm on the normal side of TikTok, full of witches. I'm I'm on I'm the part. It's I'm on the part of TikTok full of witches. Makes it makes sense. Like and subscribe.